Welcome to Fucked Up Bedtime Stories for Adults. Strange stories for stranger times. Brought to you by ETT. We recommend you listen on headphones and check the content warnings in the show descriptions. Enjoy. On a Distant Shore, by Francis Turnley, performed by David Harewood. With the impact of catastrophic climate change increasing the numbers of people with no place to call home to hundreds of thousands, humanity faces its gravest crisis. Um, Thank you, thank you. Britain, Britain is full. Offshoring is the most practical and humane way for Britain to protect its borders, and I'm proud to have voted this policy clear. Mass deportations to offshoring centres many thousands of miles away from asylum applicants' homes have been described by the government as a chance for many to restart their lives. Speaking at the opening of the most recent centre, Home Secretary Robinson made his opinions clear. With sea levels rising and populations growing, our land has become increasingly precious. We simply don't have the resources to accommodate anyone who would like to call Great Britain home. This centre I am opening here today, and hundreds like it offer a practical solution to tackling out-of-control migration. Those arriving here today should count their blessings. Now, it's been a very, very long day, and I'm given to understand weather conditions mean I'll be leaving a little sooner than expected. Urgent help! I can't. Can it. Can someone help me? I can't seem to. Mayday! Mayday! This is the Home Secretary of Great Britain. He's a little man. It's uh, been four days since our plane crashed, and nobody's quite sure where we are. The captain, co-pilots, and many of the crew and passengers are, are dead. As of today, we're nine, including myself, the press secretary, Daniel Miller, my assistant, Charles Fry, two flight attendants, and four members of the British press. And many of us are nursing uh, serious injuries, and our supplies of food and fresh water are dangerously low. I'm not sure if anyone is receiving this, but if you are, please... Send help. Uh, this is Robinson. Out. Hello? Anyone here? If anyone is listening, we've been here for seven, no, eight days, I think, and now we are five in size. Three of our party, Press Secretary Daniel Miller, Flight attendant Stuart Palmer and the Times political correspondent Henry Sutton set out towards a dense forest half a mile from the shore four days ago and haven't returned. The Telegraph's Mike Watson 
went out to see if they'd got into trouble and it hasn't returned either. Up until now we've been burning driftwood, washed onto the shoreline during the nights which are chillingly cold, but there's increasingly little left to scavenge. There's a plentiful supply of wood in sight, of course, but people are afraid to even try. Charles confided in me that some of the others believe we're being watched. That there were strange... I suppose you might call them tracks found near our camp. I, I went to look, but the waves had washed them away. I'm, I'm trying to keep everyone's spirits up, but, but, but the truth is we've maybe one or two days' food supply left. Our drinking water will be gone in less than a week. If I can be selfish, and assuming someone is listening, I'd like to again reassure my wife, Susan, that I'm holding up okay, and that I'm coming home. Tuck in our daughter Holly and read her that bedtime story I'd always promised her. My work always got in the way, and and I, and I kept putting it up, which I regret dearly. But I, I, I'm, I'm determined... To keep that promise. Hmm. I'm very tired. I might just rest my eyes for a moment. Rest assured, I'm listening. I've tried my best to reassure the others that those sounds, those sounds last night were most likely some of the native creatures living in the forest. I mean, I'd like to think they believe me, but a terrible fear has gripped our increasingly small party, which I'm trying my very best not to get sucked into. To make matters worse, someone took it upon themselves to steal the last of the drinking water. I mean, everyone's accusing one another. And, and I have my own suspicions. The Daily Mail's foreign correspondent Nick Harris is to blame. Charles has also informed me that the one sharp knife we have has also gone missing. I, mean, I suppose it's only a matter of time before we have to follow the others into the forest to find fresh water. We'll be the first to break, I don't know. Susan. I miss you both terribly. And I'll keep my promise to you, Holly. <clears throat> uh, this is Robinson. Out. I uh, regret to report that we lost another two of our party today. Flight attendant Hugh Bannister, who finally succumbed to the wounds he sustained in the crash, and world news reporter... Duncan Taylor, who I'm afraid, chose to take his own life. The missing knife has been recovered. I've just returned from helping bury their bodies. About 200 meters from camp. My thoughts are with their families. Susan. If we had ever reached.
Ezekiel. I want you to know I'd never choose Duncan's way of escape. I'm determined to keep calm and carry on. Uh, this is Robinson. Out. Charles caught a seagull today. He bashed its head against the rock and drank its blood. He laughed and said it tasted salty. There's no wood left to light a fire, so... He cut it up and was good enough to share it. No one's ashamed. I, I, I regret that tiredness overcame me and that I fell asleep during my watch. When I awoke, guilt made me walk the shoreline where I saw the tracks some of the others had mentioned the first time. I don't really know how to explain it, but they almost resembled footprints. But unlike any I've seen before. Three very long, what appeared to be webbed, extended toes is how I can best describe them. And not only that, they appear to have originated from the sea. The tracks, which I suppose must have numbered a dozen or more, appear to have encircled our campsite before heading back into the water. Whatever they were, they must have been watching us for... I, I don't know how long. The three of us have voted unanimously to move camp further away from the shore. I, I fear one knife won't offer much protection, so we've armed ourselves with the sharpest rocks we can find. Whatever dangers await us in the forest, I, I'm certain what emerged from the sea is much much worse. We've moved the site as close to the forest as we dare. I've talked to Charles and he's agreed to help me carry this transmitter wherever we might end up next. Hmm. Storm clouds are gathering and it will be uh, dark soon. I think I'd give anything for the comfort of my own bed. Familiarity of home. If anyone's listening. I, I fear we may have upset the nature of things. This is Robinson. Out. completely lost it, and attacked the nearest one with a knife. Charles and I saw how many there were, and ran for our lives. Cows that we are. I, I don't know where Charles is. I think it's just me now. Oh, please. Someone. I can't.
I have no idea if anyone's there, but to hell with it anyway. I don't know if it's been one or two days since I ended up here. I hit my head and blacked out. <coughs> my left arm's dislocated. <coughs> my right leg's broken. Falling into this gully might have saved me f from the thing. But getting out. If this is to be my last transmission, then I'll, I'll just come out and say it. I wasn't dreaming or hallucinating. I want that on the record. How Charles managed to scramble away, I'll never know. He's gone, of course. They're all gone. I couldn't see in the dark, but I, I looked back just as the lightning struck and saw one of them. It was the briefest of glimpses, but something I'll never forget. It had legs and arms and stood upright like a man, but its skin was almost translucent, like a jellyfish. And the head, squid-like, or octopus. That would be the closest I could compare, but I'm not even near. Ancient. This is Robinson. Out. is alive. He got turned around that dreadful night and has been wandering the forest for days looking for other survivors. The splint he made for my leg has given me some degree of mobility. He was able to take me to his great discovery. A cave with its own fresh water rock pool. I've just washed off weeks of grime and almost feel human again. If it hadn't been for this source of water, I'm sure we'd have perished. When I got here, all I could do was drink and drink to... I almost feel that these waters must have some medicinal qualities, as I... I don't feel hungry at all. Just a pleasant feeling of fullness that won't go away. The cave provides some degree of shelter, too. It's not home, but <laughs> I'll take what I can get. Recent events have made me question the policy I once championed. To be stuck somewhere, far from home and not of your own choosing, possibly for the rest of your life, isn't something I'd wish on anyone. It's perhaps too late for a, such a change of heart. But I wanted to say it out loud all the same. 
I still cling to the hope that someone is hearing this and that help is on the horizon. Oh. <laughs> I can see Charles coming back now. I think he's found someone else. Charles found Press Secretary Daniel Miller, flight attendant Stuart Palmer and journalists Henry Sutton and Mike Watson earlier today. They were the first to head out to this forest and appear to have been dead for some weeks now. I knew Daniel well. I'm godfather to his son, Tristan. I've traveled to quite a few war zones and seen more than my fill of terrible injuries, but nothing like this. They all appear to have sustained some sort of injury to their stomach area. That is to say, their stomachs, innards, and what have you, want no longer there. It's just their exposed ribs. And the look on their faces. I, I, I don't know if this was those creatures from the shore or some wild animal, but... Those strange shrieks we heard that night can only have been these... Poor brave souls. At my insistence, we ventured a little further in and found more bodies. Well, skeletons, I suppose. Dozens of them. Picked. Clean. I'm no paleontologist, but some of the skeletons look like they've been here long before we arrived. Perhaps they were survivors of a shipwreck or they've been exiled here punishment. Also, and I'm loath to say this, given Charles saved my life, but he started to act in a most peculiar manner. I've caught him talking to himself on more than one occasion while looking at his reflection in the rock pool. It's been five days since I last ate and I'm still not in the least bit hungry. My stomach keeps swelling. Charles is too much more than mine. Mrs. Robinson, out. Charles and I have been sick of late. In the mornings, we both feel terribly nauseous. Neither of us are hungry, but have felt a certain squirming inside our stomachs. I'm, I'm finding it hard to focus, and so I'm hoping to get as many messages out while I still can. One of the things I can't help dwelling on is that those creatures haven't followed us into the forest. The sea is clearly their domain. I can't help feeling that this cave and its rock pool it is of great importance to them. Charles informed me that he can hear Miller, Sutton and the others we found talking to him. That they're still alive. He told me that we're now all of the same family last night. I don't know what he meant, but his stomach has ballooned to grotesque proportions of late. And I'm not far behind. Now, I'm aware how this will sound. In all honesty, it's very, very, very fucked up. But I, I, I can't ignore the fact any longer. I'm pregnant. 
and will soon come to term. How that happened in such a short amount of time, I can't explain. But I suspect something was in, in the water we drank, and that this cave is where they come to think they spawn, much the same way sea turtles come once a year to bury their eggs in the sand. Even as I speak to you, I can feel what feels like hundreds of tiny tentacles squirming inside me. I thought about killing myself, of course. But, but I, I... I don't know what that would achieve. I, I, have, a, I have a promise to keep. This is Robert. In the hours before, he had taken to smiling and obsessively stroking it while singing a lullaby, reminding me of when my Susan was pregnant with Holly. Charles's voice didn't take long to emerge into my consciousness. He tells me he's fine, too. That the others helped free him. And, of course, I can hear them, too, when I close my eyes tightly. I can hear them echoing in my being from the rock pool. sisters told it to me. They used to be just like us, you see, a millennia ago. But they lived in a place where many of them were in fear for their lives and those of their families. It wasn't safe. So they had no choice but to seek out other places to live. If they were to survive, what choice did they have? But they weren't welcome anywhere. People were suspicious of where they came from, their color, their customs, and what they believed. Nobody would take them in. Every plea for mercy was drowned out with a, we're full. Go back to where you came from. 
There isn't enough to go round. You're not wanted here. And they felt that terribly. And in the end, they found they had nowhere else to go. Except the sea. And one day they walked to the shore. And into the sea. Which rose up and swallowed them down. With a huge gulp. And everyone who had denied them sanctuary was very glad. As far as they were concerned, the troublesome ones had all perished in good riddance. And over time, people forgot about what happened. But not everyone. For under the waves, others had made their new home. In the depths and the darkness, their bodies adapting, evolving, communicating en masse with their minds as one waiting it's time the voices are very loud now I can share in their memories just as they share mine the sea is beckoning me just who it is I'm talking to right now, I have no idea. I don't know if anyone's even there. But if someone is listening, and I hope someone is, please tell others that when the oceans rise and your countries sink, there's a place we can all go. Where borders don't exist, and where you all be more than welcome. I hope to see you all very soon. This is Robert's. This piece was directed by Jennifer Baxt with sound design and composition by Helen Skewer.